This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. We are Justin and Brandon, and this is episode 25, the big two five. Uh, and today, uh, we uh, check in my notes. Oh, yep, we're still in the bear market. Um, <laughs> this is not going to end anytime soon. Uh, check the charts. We're either sideways or, or downways. Um, we did see a little bit of a relief bounce this week uh, with, with crypto following uh, the equities market a little bit. And then some coins are already back down uh, from being up about four or five days ago. So fun times in the bear market. Justin, I was thinking about something this week, and I think this will set our discussion up today. Um, I was thinking about something this week, and that is, you know, what's interesting in the markets is it's like when everybody goes risk off and everybody starts selling things. And, you know, this week we saw that report come out that basically all of the stock from like a total volume standpoint, all of the stock that retail investors bought in the last two years has been sold. (laughs) And it's like, it's almost like going into a store and everything is 70% off, I guess in equities world, 30% off. Right. But the way that I almost think of it is in the way that we think about investing Follow me here for a second. It is it? It's almost like if you go to an estate sale and everything is like it's priced to move. It's cheaper. It's not new prices. Yeah. There's a fine line between vintage and garbage, and it's the person that knows the difference between vintage and garbage that makes out well at the at the uh, the estate sale. Now. You know, crypto isn't old and, you know, whatever, but that's kind of the way I think about when the markets are just red all over. The ability to identify vintage uh, or quality versus garbage is is literally the entire difference in being in a really good spot in the next three to five years and and being maybe in an okay spot. so we've been we did a series on Bitcoin, and we, we we didn't call it this at the time, but I would call it a building conviction series. We really wanted to dive into what makes Bitcoin important for the future of the world, right? We really wanted to take that kind of look at it, not just a, oh, well, like you know, what multiples can you gain if you invested today, and you know, you know, what could you buy with that? It, not that kind of analysis, but an analysis, you know, maybe fundamentally to say, what problem does it solve? And what we're trying to do is, if we can, we want to build conviction on things. And then if we build conviction, if we have conviction on them, we invest in them. Uh, we're not just following trends. We're not just trying to talk about the latest, greatest new thing. Um, and so I, I want to know, I'm in, I'm in crypto because I think certain crypto projects, the ones we talk about, are going to impact the future of the world. Um, and so we talked about that with Bitcoin. And today, uh, today we're going to talk about building conviction on Ethereum. Um so I'll just call out this at the outset. There's kind of a, just a funny point. Um, we tend to talk about Bitcoin a lot, and there's good reason for that. We tend to talk about a few other coins a good bit, and then somehow we don't talk about Ethereum all that much. 
And Justin, like you said, um, for you, Ethereum is your biggest position. Um, for me, depending on how you count a few of my Ethereum investments, uh, Ethereum at times has been my biggest investment. So we are not down on Ethereum. The, the furthest from being down on Ethereum, um, Bitcoin just happens to lead the market up and down a little bit. And, and we kind of focus yeah. on that as, as the front runner. So getting into the series today, we're going to talk about, and Justin is going to, to lead us because this is sort of his world, uh, what problem exists that Ethereum solves? And what is sort of Ethereum's like like value proposition? Like what is sort of the pitch on Ethereum? And we're, we're going to talk about smart contracts, which is what Ethereum is. Um, but obviously it's the first one. But, but we, we want to dig deeper. We want to even say, how is Ethereum going to impact the world in the future? Like we're, we're digging deep on this. And, and I'll give you a hint. It, it, it's, a pretty big de- it's a pretty big deal. Um, so again, our goal is to find the difference between the vintage and the garbage. All right, so Justin, getting into this, um, and I'll go ahead and give, a, give away the, the answer here and we'll dig into it. If Bitcoin solved the problem of money, we said that Bitcoin is the only smart money or sound money. If Bitcoin solved the problem of money, Ethereum solves the problem of trust. So if you're listening, that may probably did not land well. (laughs) You're like, what do you mean? Like we have a trust problem? Ethereum solves the problem of trust. And, sorry, I triggered my Siri on my computer. Um, So Ethereum solves a problem of trust. And I'll put it this way. Ethereum solves the problem of our legacy trust systems, which is what we're going to talk about today. So, So Justin, again, we want to build conviction on Ethereum. We want to understand what value it has. We need to understand the problem it solves. So tell us... Define for us what we mean by trust and what's currently wrong with our current trust systems. Yeah, so um, I think, well, out of the gates, one thing that we could even note here is um, when we're talking about Ethereum solving the problem of trust, we could we could remove the word Ethereum and just place smart contracts. So... I'm in this podcast and, you know, we're kind of like using those two things, uh, simultaneously, if that makes sense. Um, Ethereum is a smart contract, um, platform and that's a really important thing to note, but getting into the trust issue, I, I think one of the big things that, um, we have to start with trust is really understanding what trust is and when we're actually using trust. And a lot of times, we depend so much on trust and we don't even realize it, right? Like I, for example, I have money in my bank account. Well, it's not even tangible. I mean, I can go to the ATM and I can pull out some cash and that's tangible, right? But, But the fact that I think I have money in my bank account and I do, it's built on trust. I'm trusting this, the software of the website that I'm, that I'm linked, you know, on my phone. I'm trusting the banking system of keeping accurate records. I'm trusting regulation to, to enforce those records. And, and there's basically 
if you think about anything in life that you own, whether it be property, money, stocks, um, there's a lot of trust that is kind of like woven through all of that, right? That it's kind of all operating in the background. So trust is really, a, it's integrated into every system that we have from like an economic standpoint. Um, that's kind of the big thing. And, and if a lot of times, like, unless you explicitly state it and you, and you kind of talk about it in the way we are talking about it, it just kind of goes unnoticed. Um, so I think one of the big, one of the big things around trust is it's really expensive. So like think about all the time and energy, you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot of human resources, energy, time that's poured into making sure that your bank is accurate, um, that the stocks that are in your E-Trade account, you know, are actually yours and those are regulated. Um, and you know, the SEC, like there's so many layers, <laughs> um, of, and people that are involved in this trust. I think you can start to see like just how, just how big and time consuming and really how much energy, um, trust, uh, takes, if you will. So I think that's kind of like, just like setting the stage. I think that's a great way to like, kind of like, I don't know, present that trust is something that we interact with it every day. We may not think about it actively, but you know, right. It takes trust to almost do everything. Yeah. And it's helpful. I remember the first time you told me about this and it's like, I had to sit there and think about it for a few minutes, but after I, I sort of realized that it's like now I, I start to sort of see that everywhere where that, that, that thread was sort of hidden and now I can't not see it. Yep. Um, and in the same way that we've talked about how understanding or getting into Bitcoin made us ask questions about currency that we realized we we just didn't we didn't really understand currency, even our own currency. We just use it. It's kind of like we don't in a similar fashion. We don't really see trust. We don't really understand it, but we use it and we rely on it, which is kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing. There's one. Yep. One thing I realized as we've been talking is that there there are entire industries that exist to provide trust, or maybe a synonym for that would be assurance, um, guarantees, right? Or they are the they're the trust layer, if you will. Um, Justin, talk a little bit about you mentioned it. I wanted to dive into this that trust is very expensive. It's time-consuming. Um, it requires a lot of human input. I think in some cases, trust is also redundant. Um, yeah. <laughs> explain that a little bit more. Uh, maybe an example or just, yeah, dive into that a little bit more specifically for us. A great example is if you've ever bought a home. I remember buying my first home and it was like, oh, I'm going to go sign the paperwork, right? <laughs> and it was like, oh, you have to like put your initials on a thousand different places, right? And also you're paying these lawyers lots of money and lots of time that they've put into creating those papers. And, you know, I, I love the example of buying a home because there are so many different layers to that. Um, so, I, and you know, if you've done that, you know, like, okay, all of that paperwork and all of those, you know, 
rules and regulations that are behind that paperwork, you know, that are, that are enforced by our country and, and the law, like when you start to kind of like peel back the layers, you really start to see, okay, there's so much, um, resources, time and energy poured into just that one example, right? Just, just buying a home. Um, I think, I think that's a, a good example to use. Uh, even, you know, if you think about uh, another example would be voting, you know, um, and I'll, I'll steer away from politics, but you get it like, you know, we have voting in America and think about how much time and energy goes into pulling off voting day. You know, we all go vote for whoever we're voting for. And you've got all of the locations that people are voting. You've got all of the booths, the, the volunteers that takes the pull off, you know, all of that people counting the votes and the verification process. So, and that's another good example, but, um, I think the, the, the big point there is anytime we have needed trust, um, or we have to trust a third party in our society, it's usually very, very expensive and time consuming, especially when you, like you start to peel back those layers, like I talked about. Yeah. And even thinking about, you know, right now in the, the situation with Twitter, I mean, you know, Twitter has a trust system. It's a verified, you know, blue check. It's a, it's a, um, it's a very, from, from a, from, you know, my standpoint where I'm not a celebrity or a verified personality, when I see someone tweet something, um, and someone else retweets it, I may have never heard of that person before, but that blue verification symbol, like that, that has a lot of value. In other words, that may be the difference between me sharing that link with my friends or me going, ah, I don't, I don't know if I can trust this, this resource. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, yeah, exactly. And even the voting thing is a great example because regardless of what someone thinks did or didn't happen, we all acknowledge that like voting be having integrity is of the utmost importance, right? Everyone right. should acknowledge that. So, um, no, that's, that's helpful. That's helpful. So to, to layer onto this point. So in one sense, you know, <laughs> it's not that we have a trust problem in the sense that we don't, we can't trust things. We can trust right. things. We have trust systems. Like you said, the problem is trust is very expensive. It's very time consuming. Uh, it's very redundant and it requires a lot of human manual input, which is sort of like a redundant way of saying it's very expensive and time consuming. <laughs> um, it's even redundant to explain trust. Um, so there is a problem with trust. It's expensive. So Ethereum solves that problem. How does it do it? Ethereum, and this is kind of our big idea for this for this episode, is Ethereum automates trust. So it's like we, we talked about trust, and it's like, well, what does that mean? Now we're going to talk about automation. And, and I am not a – I've been in tech most of my career, but I will be honest, trying to explain automation is a bit challenging for me. So I'm glad that there's someone on the other end of the line here that's a lot smarter with that when it comes to me. So what's interesting is the fact that never in the history of the world have we been able to automate trust yep. until Ethereum introduced smart contracts. 
So Justin, tell us a little bit more, you know, be easy on us now, be very simple. <laughs> tell us like we're five, you know, be very, talk, talk to us, you know, us, us, us simplings uh, here, but what is automation and how, how can trust be automated and what makes that such a big deal? So automation, I'm using that term very, just very broadly. Um, I'm not talking about a specific tool or anything like that, but basically automation just means um, automation happens anytime you're using technology to remove human effort from like a process. Um, so obvious automation that we see and interact with every day are things like at the grocery store, you know, you have the self checkout process. Well, that's an automation process that makes um, on the on the grocery store manager on their end, it requires a lot less human input and labor because the, the customer can come in, they can interact with the machine and go on their way, right? Um, you know, another another good example of what automation is is a wheel, um, and something like a wheel. I don't know who invented the wheel, right? It was uh, a long time ago, but uh, the main thing there is uh, the wheel automated all kinds of stuff all right if you think about like a, a spinning wheel uh, and a spindle uh, I was doing when I was kind of like thinking about all of this I, I was just looking at like the evolution of the wheel and all this stuff and I thought it's kind of fascinating I saw like how they used to actually make um, yarn and stuff you know just using a spindle and just spinning it with their hand well they were able to take the wheel a piece of technology and actually automate that process to where now instead of you know it requiring let's say 10 hours of human effort to create 100 feet of yarn i'm just making numbers up but you get the point now all you got to do is a little bit of human effort to spin this wheel and it it basically skyrockets the production all right so that's another good example of automation and technology has always been moving in like these waves of automation so Anytime you're taking technology and you're basically minimizing the human input. So if you think about automation from, from that stance and you kind of think about everything we just covered in how, how insanely time consuming trust is, all of the layers of input from different humans, different third parties that it takes to verify and establish trust, um, there's a huge opportunity there for automation, right? To come in and to basically improve those processes to make trust much more efficient, much less time consuming and much, much less expensive. I think one of the, one of the key things you said though, was, you know, never in the history of the world have we been able to automate trust. Well, it's because the technology didn't exist. And in order to automate trust, you have to have a, a tool that can act as a third party that everyone can agree with like, okay, that is accurate, right? And it can actually, it can actually automate a lot of those processes. So that's kind of, um, I don't know, at, a, at a high level, that's kind of like the whole point of, okay, the problem of trust, it's very expensive. What is automation? It's a tool that comes and it, it basically minimizes a lot of that human input and costs. Um, so I'll stop there to, to let you interject, but <laughs> I don't want to keep going. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, it's, this is, it, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, 
it's a lot to take in because number one, we can't see it. It's software. Yeah. Number two, it's sort of like the future <laughs> and, yeah. and like seeing the future is a little bit difficult. No, yeah. but it, I think it really, that explanation, you know, when we talked about it, it really helped me. And again, the, the point is everything is increasing towards, you know, we're hurtling towards increasing digitization. So there's a, I wanted to mention, there's a, there's a statement by um, a guy named Mark Andreessen. Uh, he's sort of a, a tech entrepreneur in Silicon Valley. And he gives this really good talk. And I heard this, I heard this given in a talk on uh, crypto and blockchain technology. But he explains that software is eating the world. And... Um, if you want to look it up, it, there's a lot of really good stuff here, but th this statement really caught my attention and I, I've not been able to forget it. He said, eventually with software, eventually we will do everything with nothing. Yeah. And, and that's really what he's talking about is that technology is going to automate, um, yeah, a lot of the human effort and reduce or, or take away what it, uh, removing, there we go, removing human effort from process with tech. So one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, is sort of like uh, to help us sort of take a step towards what we're talking about. So from a technology standpoint, we'll talk about web one, web two, web one is just sort of your desktop, you're on AOL, you know, that's all it was, this big box behemoth of a computer. You have the internet, but it's just sort of browsing information. Web two is, is mobile, it's social. Um, Uber, Uber could not have existed in web one. Not possible. Uber wasn't even an idea in web one. It wasn't until we had all of these devices that could access the internet, this base layer of new innovative tech, that Uber was even possible. And so, so to use our language here, Uber, in a Web2 world, Uber automated finding a cab. Yep. The, software, the software handles it, right? Um, and so we're talking about automating something different, but I, I, I want to make the point that this is not in, in kind. This is not anything different than what has been happening. This is just the next step. This is the next yeah. uh, sort of the foray into the future, which is why we're making such a big deal out of it. Because, you know, if you had invested in a company that automated finding a cab and could do that nationwide, <laughs> you did pretty well. Um, yeah. And so I, I just, I want to, that's how I understand it. And so, you know, again, we, we never, you know, we never thought about, oh, I've got a problem. I need to automate finding a cab. But now if you travel, you almost can't imagine not having Uber. You're like, well, of course, of course we have this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we're looking at here where we're talking about something at an idea level. And it's like, once you see it, you'll go, oh my goodness, how do we ever live without that? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, on yeah, that, feel free to I follow up there. One of the big things that, um, like I can't, I don't know. Part of me like doesn't want to say things like this because it just sounds crazy. But like uh, now I have to say it, so here I am. The like the I can't stress in my own view just like how how important smart contracts are. Just like just how innovative they really are. Um, 
and it, it starts with what you're describing is without without the technology that we we have the internet you know internet 2 2.0 blockchain can't exist right it, it's impossible we have to have that so this is like it's it's almost like I, I even use language uh, the the smart contract to me is just as big of a deal as like the invention of the car or the wheel like the the impact that this is going to have on everything is absolutely huge in, in my opinion obviously infrastructure still has to be continuing to build out there um, but I mean the sky is the limit like that that's an understatement when it comes to smart contracts um, which is the, the immense opportunity that's that is there the um, and so the other thing on that um, is I think one of the reasons it's so hard to like talk around this issue is going like go back to my wheel example. Let's say we were living you know a few thousand years ago and we were trying to sell people on this concept of a wheel and and just how transformational that would be. We had no idea that other technologies would also be merging in with it, right? And, and eventually you'd have a car that operates on wheels, right? Like there's no way you could describe that. So it's almost like trying to describe the potential of something that is going to invent new types of things that we've never even thought of um, is really, really challenging. And it's, it's, it's also similar to like, you know, uh, the, there was a video of, oh, they're, they're trying to explain like what the internet is or email. I think it was like why email is valuable. It's and email. Yeah. Email. The yeah. back of the cab with Katie Couric. Yep. Yeah. You know, and they're, and they're like, <laughs> you go back and you watch those conversations. Part of you is like, well, this is, this is stupid. Of course, email is valuable. Right. But like back then, if you put yourself in their shoes, they're asking very legitimate questions and it's hard to describe something as simple as email and how we use it every day and how much it's affected everything, well, we get it now because we're, we're now, we're in the future, right? You know, from that from that standpoint. But I, I think that's partly why it's a really complex issue to talk around is because it's something that like humans have never even had to deal with or think about, this idea of automating trust. Right. Yeah, I want to I dive into the sort of the mortgage thing. Okay. You know, I want to kind of dive into a use case just to make sure we go from sort of idea to, to practical. Yeah. You know, if you've, if you've ever bought a home, just as you were describing, you know, there's a lot of parties in the room. I'm not necessarily saying that Ethereum is going to eliminate the need for like real estate agents or Ethereum does not, <laughs> Ethereum is not like a digital attorney. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate the need for representation. That's not what we're talking about. Um, but in a real estate transaction, you have people that are recording information, you know, against the county deed book, whatever the right term for that is. You have paralegals doing research to make sure there's no like outstanding, you know, liens against the property you want to buy. You have like people, you are paying people, right? It's the year 2022. You're paying people to look up information, not because it can't be found digitally. It's not that the information doesn't exist. 
And this is what's been like mind blowing for me to understand, Justin, as we've been talking about this. It's that you want to be able to trust that a person verified that there's not that on there. And, And again, like you said, not just a person, but a mutual third party that's trusted by essentially everyone involved, the county, the city, the country, you know, whatever. But we're paying, we're paying for trust. Mm-hmm. And to sort of go back in history to pull this point forward, um, Satoshi Nakamoto invented blockchain, which you know we, we'd call Web three, the foundation of Web three. Um, this this public immutable public ledger of information that, that you know, immutable can't be changed. But Bitcoin was invented to solve a problem with money and finance and currency and tech. So Ethereum, Ethereum did not come along and say, oh, like we're going to be a better Bitcoin. And if you've listened to some of our past episodes, this is going to sound like a rehash, but it's really important. Ethereum is basically like, oh, you know, we see what Bitcoin just did. And now that there's this thing called blockchain, there's another problem blockchain can solve and we, where we need blockchain, right? In the same way, a, a mobile phone. Um, you know, it doesn't just deal with Uber and cab companies. It helps us with, you know, all sorts of things. So that's why we say Ethereum and, and Bitcoin aren't competitors. They do not solve the same problem. Um, th- in one sense, like they're not even related. The only way that they're connected is that they're both blockchain technologies. They're not even the same blockchain. They have they're they're their own layer one blockchain. So I'm, I'm being a little bit technical there, but I, I want to unpack that just because that's why we don't talk about them as like which one's going to win out. Right. They both do because they both solve different problems, and the problems they solve are very real and they're not going away. Humans are never going to get to a place where we don't need trust. It's just that our vision of the future is that that we will get to a place where in smart contract technology with Ethereum and even some other smart contracts, we have not taken away the need for trust. We've automated trust. We've taken the human effort out of trust. I'm trying to explain it like the same thing four different ways because we all yeah. sort of hear things from different angles. Um, and again... Uh, if a real estate transaction, you know, we do talk about sometimes that Ethereum can be expensive to use because of a transaction fees or gas, but I would rather pay a 50 to $80 transaction fee than I would to pay four or five different people to touch the same sheet of paper. Yep. You know, especially yep. after inflation and all this other nonsense, you know? So yeah, it really is. Yeah. We, it's, you know, I wish, I wish you and I were like more futurists and we could describe exactly what this is going to look like. Um, but Justin, I think the reason we're talking about it today is not necessarily from a technologist point of view. We're talking about it today from an investment point of view. Yeah. And so that's where I, I mean, I'm interested in the tech side, but I'm interested in the tech side as an investor. We mentioned this, I know we mentioned this back in the day, uh, six months ago, when we started this whole gig, um, and, and we talked about this on the Ethereum side, when we did an initial podcast on it. What has my attention is, when the internet came out, you know, now we have, you know, bandwidth and, and gigabytes of data, we have all these units and this this core foundation 
you know, all of these yeah. networks that are that are stitched computers stitched together to form this network. Um, like you couldn't invest in the internet. You could not invest in the base layer of technology that was the internet. Now you could invest in companies that use the internet to solve real world problems. And again, sort of call that like a layer two or layer three, but you could yeah. never invest in the internet. I mean, imagine if you had bought, you know, kilobits back in the, 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 the early 1990s, you know, like yeah. how many times has a kilobit been transacted in the last, you know, 20 minutes. Right. And I, I think I understand that kind of is like a stupid example, but it's like, if the future of the internet is built on smart contracts, if entire companies are built on Ethereum, if entire financial networks and, and financial transactions are built on top of Ethereum, you won't just be able to invest in a company like IBM that builds on Ethereum. You'll be able, you are able today to invest in Ethereum, the thing they are using. So Justin, obviously, you know, as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about that. What, what is it about that that makes you excited or, or, or maybe some specific aspects about, about that for you? Well, I think the opportunity, you know, as you just kind of stated there is, is huge. So obviously I think that's the most exciting thing. Um, I've often used analogies like, like Ethereum is like oil or gasoline. Like it, it, it's a resource that I can buy that isn't, it's not widely used yet. Um, it's not, it hasn't hit mainstream, but like buying Ethereum tokens, it's essentially like buying gasoline that fuels this type of automation, if that makes sense. So like, I think that's just like a different angle on it that I kind of uh, like to see. I, I see it almost like it's a natural resource, even though it's not natural, but you, you get what I'm saying there. Um, imagine striking, you know, like hitting oil in your backyard or whatever, you know, like, you know, hundred years ago or something oh boy. like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're, you know, like you, the, the ramifications of that are huge. Um, and I, I see it as very similar to that. So, but mm -hmm. yeah, so I, I, you know, and I don't yeah, want to I, get into, sorry, go ahead. Mm -mm, you're good. As I, 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 we could go on all day, you know, describing like how valuable Ethereum is, you know, because of its usefulness um, across the board. But I think the combination of its, uh, its potential usefulness in, in, in what the tool can do to automate a lot of trust issues to make them more efficient, to help us get to establish trust faster, more efficiently. Um, yeah, and the fact that you kind of get the opportunity to start to start buying it and investing in it, you know, before it's actually hitting, you know, a wide use case scenario. It's, it's a huge opportunity. So... Yeah, and that's why, again, you know, in one sense, you know, during a bear market, I mean, you know, one would think that we'd be talking about, oh, like, where's the bottom? And let, let's let's talk about yeah. where the bottom is and what the bottom prices are going to be and what. And it's like, like I said, I, I want to be able to identify vintage at the estate sale. Mm -hmm. I want to know, I want to know what the good stuff is. 
And so really this conversation, um, and I get it, I get it. It, it. it does feel a little bit like we're in a room, the lights are turned off, there's an elephant in the room, and we can feel the elephant, and we're talking about the elephant that we like <laughs> hear and feel, but we can't see it. You know, you don't know, you, know, you get my point. If you've never seen an yeah. elephant, you don't even know how to talk about the elephant, right? Um, right. You know, and the lights turn on, and you're like, oh, yeah, of course, right? And that, so I, I, I want to make, I don't want to apologize for it. I want to acknowledge, yeah, it's difficult because we're talking about the future. Um, and this may be an episode, I mean, shoot, I may go back and listen to this episode to make sure I understand everything we're talking about. Um, so in other words, if half of this is over your head or it doesn't make sense, you know, join the club. Um, but, you know, kind of, kind of in summary, though, you know, hum humanity, people, we've never been able to automate trust before. Um, but trust is really, really important. And I, I would even say the more digital things become, it's almost like sometimes the more you feel like people are needed to verify, them, you know, trust that what, you know, and so smart contracts promise in the blockchain space and the web three space uses interchangeably smart contract blockchains like Ethereum, which is the leader, the biggest smart contract blockchain promise to automate trust. And by automate, again, we mean take the human effort out of the equation, or at least significantly. Um, smart contracts make this possible, and again, it's never been possible um, before. So from our standpoint, one of the things I love about investing in Ethereum is I don't have to figure out how it's going to shape the world. I don't have to be right on which industry it disrupts first. Right. Whether it's financial, whether it's mortgage, whether it is supply chain. I mean, I think it's all of the above. And I think it's way more. You know, I don't have to I don't have to get that right. And I don't have to invent something or build something on top of Ethereum. I don't have to become a developer or a futurist or a technologist or whatever. Um I don't even have to start a podcast where you talk about Ethereum. <laughs> it's like you can just invest in Ethereum. You can, yeah. you know, like with your phone on very simple to use financial instruments like exchanges like Coinbase, FTX, Gemini, Voyager, you can just buy it and you can buy it $10 at a time, right? And so it, it the simplicity of that I think gets overlooked or it makes it seem like it's not that big of a deal. And and we're yeah. basically just saying we think it's a very big deal. So yeah. uh, Justin, kind of as we as we wrap up, we're going to be talking about Ethereum for another episode, maybe another two episodes. We're going to come at it from different angles. We're going to talk about a big event coming up for Ethereum called ETH 2.0. Um, there's a lot to talk about here and we cannot say it all today, but Anything as we wrap up that you wanted to um, that you wanted to pull in? Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things would be um, like when we you know when when, when we talk about Ethereum um, and this whole concept of trust automation and and all this stuff. Like I said, it can it can sound really complex, but I think ultimately, you know, when it gets down to it, one of the big things that um, if I could put it into simple terms, it's like when, when I choose to invest in Ethereum or other smart, you know, there's other smart contract blockchains out there. 
Um, I'm betting on the fact that smart contracts are going to disrupt how trust is established and enforced. Um, like you said, it's, it doesn't mean that like all of the people that we mentioned, maybe the different types of jobs and people that we mentioned in this podcast are not going to be needed anymore. Um, but it's more about, okay, leveraging the technology to really disrupt that space. Um, and honestly that space, it's a, it's a wild frontier, right? It's, it's, it's almost never been interrupted before. So I think, uh, Opportunity is immense. Yeah, it's good. I'll, I'll close with kind of an example. I saw a video this week. Um, it's from, I assume it's from the 90s. Um, I didn't have a date stamp on it or timestamp, but um, David Letterman is on his, uh, his, his, his show um, back in the 90s interviewing Bill Gates. And Bill Gates is, they're kind of talking about kind of the advent of uh, internet radio and that you could listen to a sporting event, a baseball game on your computer. And, and you know, David uh, sort of like this email thing where it, you know, kind of laughs and, you know, you kind of triple yourself to try to explain what's going on. And, and David Letterman kind of, you know, and again, he's trying to pull out the humor or kind of, you know, mock it a little bit. It was like, Oh yeah. Like I have, I have a radio, you know, I have, you know, um, and you know, Bill Gates is, you know, fairly, you know, innocuous. He's not making a hard time for David Letterman, but it, you know, and he's like, well, what, what can it do that my radio can't do? And David's like, well, you know, you can listen to it at any, uh, sorry, Bill Gates is like, you can listen to it at any time. And, 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 you know, David's just like, I just don't, this isn't a big deal. I already have the ability to listen to this game. Um, you know, and so in one sense, it's like, okay, well, you know, I think it's easy to poke fun at early technology. Yeah. Um, you know, like I remember, I still remember when the iPad came out, people holding it up to their, their ears and making fun of it being just a massive phone. Right. And those things don't age well. I would just encourage everybody, um, be willing to see past that stuff. Yeah. Um, this kind of technology is not just something slightly different than everything we've known it's something categorically categorically different and like foundationally different and uh, you know exponentially different than anything we've known and I, I will make the argument that the distance between sort of the mobile phone internet generation web 2 and web 3 the distance of like how far we'll be able to go with this technology, that distance is greater than the distance between web one and web two. Yep. And you look at web one to web two and you're like, holy mackerel, the distance between web two and web three is going to be significantly greater. And again, we have the opportunity to invest, do your own research, not financial advice. Um, we have the opportunity to invest but again, we have to build conviction. We have to understand the problem solution set of some of these assets. Um, and at least for Justin and myself, where we find big problems and real solutions, you better believe we're going we're gonna to invest in those, uh, in those yeah. tools and those technologies. There's more to say. Like I said, we can't say it all in 45 minutes. But, uh, but thank you, Justin, for explaining a lot of that to me <laughs> a few weeks ago, a lot of that to our audience tonight. Uh, today. So thank you guys for listening. Again, we are going to do more in this building conviction series on Ethereum. This was just part one. There is more to come. 
Uh, if something didn't make sense, listen to it again. I can assure you, as uh, from firsthand experience, it will make more sense if you listen to it a, a few times. Um, for those of us who are not as sophisticated as uh, as Justin in our understanding of these these technology tools, no, no, it's really good, really good. So, uh, thank you guys for listening. For Justin, I'm Brandon. We will see you all next time. For more information, check out our website at blazingcrypto.io. Additionally, if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website, which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.